Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, July 21st. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. Coronavirus cases growing in 40 states and hospital beds filling up from Nevada to Kentucky as the Surgeon General warns that the U.S. needs to lower the transmission rate before schools try to reopen. President Trump hoping to reset his coronavirus response as his poll numbers continue to drop amid the surging outbreak. And at least 300 workers at garment manufacturer Los Angeles Apparel test positive for coronavirus, forcing health officials to shut down the company temporarily. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on the coronavirus pandemic, the battle to reopen schools raging all over the country, but especially in Florida, the U.S. epicenter. Teachers suing to stop person-in-person classes before the school year begins in just a matter of weeks. This as a county in Texas issues another stay-at-home order. Cases growing in 40 states, the death toll rising in 28 and 39 states, reporting an increase in hospitalizations, reaching records in states like Nevada, Kentucky, North Dakota, Arkansas, and Montana. This as in Florida tensions reach a boiling point, protesters upset disrupting a press conference by the governor Monday. If you had been in... Three hospitals in the state are at full ICU capacity, and 39 are asking the state to provide additional nurses. This as the battle over reopening schools in the country's epicenter rages on. Teachers filing a lawsuit against the governor to block reopening of schools in August. Maybe they teach or work virtually. Maybe they take a sabbatical. Uh, but, but those folks who are higher risk, uh, you absolutely need to have accommodations for, without question. The U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Jerome Adams, warning Tuesday that in order to reopen schools safely, the country needs to lower the transmission rate in a matter of weeks. But for some governors, like Mike Parson in Mississippi, preventing the spread of COVID-19 in schools is inevitable. And if they do get COVID-19, which they will, and they will when they go to school, they're not going to the hospitals. They're not going to have to sit in doctor's days. They're going to go home, and they're going to get over it. Meanwhile, around the country, this hospital in Georgia expanding its facilities by adding shipping containers. In California, 91% of the population is now on the state's coronavirus watch list. And in Texas, a judge in Hidalgo County trying to slow the spread by implementing a new stay-at-home order. The governor in Texas, Greg Abbott, says that county has no authority to impose the mandate as it violates his own statewide orders. And now to Washington. Back in April, President Trump called his daily coronavirus briefings not worth the time and effort. But now, he says, he's bringing them back as the country faces rising numbers of deaths in 19 states. The move comes as polls show many Americans are unhappy with how the president is handling the pandemic. Andrea Linares has more. Coronavirus briefings are making a comeback. We're going to give you a lot of briefings in the next week and over the next few weeks. 
Instead of focusing on the recent surge in cases and the high human cost of the virus across the country, Trump gave his attention on the number of Americans who could possibly tune in to the sessions. Well, we had very successful briefings. I was doing them and uh, we had a lot of people watching, record numbers watching. I'll do it at five o'clock like we were doing. We had a good slot. The president's briefings came to an end after he made this bizarre statement in April, suggesting that household disinfectants could be used to treat coronavirus patients. And I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Trump's return to the podium will be after weeks of debate among his aides. Faced with the president sinking in the polls and many Americans disapproving of his handling of the crisis. One senior Trump campaign aide suggesting the briefings aren't only about saving American lives. They also could save Trump's re-election chances in November. This strategy also seen in President Trump's sudden support of wearing masks tweeting an image of himself in one from his visit to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center earlier this month, writing, Many people say that it is patriotic to wear a face mask when you can't socially distance. It's the only time he's been seen wearing one in public after weeks of pushback. I wore one in this back area, but I didn't want to give the press the pleasure of seeing it. Back in April, Trump said this the same day the CDC and Coronavirus Task Force asked Americans to wear facial coverings to slow the transmission of the virus. I just don't want to be doing, I don't know, somehow sitting in the Oval Office behind that beautiful Resolute desk, the great Resolute desk, I think uh, wearing a face mask as I greet Presidents, prime ministers, dictators, kings, queens, I don't know, somehow, I don't see it for myself. I just, I just don't. Still, President Trump has rejected calls for a national mask mandate. No, I want people to have a certain freedom, and I don't believe in that, no. And I don't agree with the statement that if everybody wear a mask, everything could disappear. But top health officials such as the Surgeon General sending this message. I'm begging you, uh, please understand that we are not trying to take away your freedoms when we say wear a face covering. President Trump is expected to hold these briefings a few times a week, but not on a daily basis like he was earlier this year. Meanwhile, at Trump's most recent public appearance at a fundraiser Monday night, he did not wear a mask. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And meanwhile, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany held a briefing this morning addressing the president's plans to send federal troops to cities experiencing unrest and the ongoing negotiations on a coronavirus relief package. Our Edwin Pitti has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin, what's the latest? Lorraine, we could start seeing a lot of tension between the White House, President Trump specifically, and also cities run by Democrat figures in this country, such as New York, Philadelphia, and also Chicago. President Trump is about to start what many are calling a constitutional crisis because he's trying to contemplate the possibility of sending federal agents to those cities to help them de uh, deal with the crime. The President Trump saying that he's not willing to wait for them to ask for help, and he's about to just send them there to help them with the crime. Let's take a listen to what Press Secretary Kelly McEnany said this morning. Objective standard, the violence, chaos, and anarchy in Portland is unacceptable. 
Yet Democrats continue to put politics above peace while this president seeks to restore law and order. Governor Kate Brown, a Democrat governor of Oregon, said that the president should, quote, stop playing politics, called law enforcement officers secret police, and likened it to, quote, a dictatorship. Lorraine, meanwhile, negotiations for the new stimulus package are still ongoing. Republicans and President Trump agreeing in a couple of important matters, but two of them that they do not agree are the payroll tax cut and also more funds for uh, testing and the CDC. But the White House this morning also pushing back on the notion that President Trump does not want to give more money for testing or the CDC. Take a listen. So no one is blocking any money from testing. Um, one of the things I would add is that this is an ongoing negotiation. We're just in the early days of that. Um, currently in uh, federal coffers, we have $10 billion, that's with a B, unspent, uh, that is allocated for testing. And we want to ensure that in phase four, there is money that is targeted for testing in the way that makes most sense. I can tell you the Democrats are not being left out of the negotiations. We do know that Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin is meeting with Nancy Pelosi and other members of the Democratic Party in Congress this afternoon. Lorraine? And Edwin, before you leave us, one question. The press secretary was asked whether Dr. Anthony Fauci or Dr. Birx will be in attendance during the task force briefing. What did she say about that? Lorraine, as if it was a primetime show, she only said for people to tune in this afternoon for the meeting is at 5 p.m. Eastern time. But I can tell you that Dr. Fauci was asked the same question and he said that he, if he was invited, he would be more than happy to be at that briefing. Reporting live in Washington, D.C., Lorraine, back to you. Thank you so much, Edwin. We'll be watching that presser. And the House is expected to vote on a $740 billion defense bill Tuesday, which includes a 3% pay raise for the military. But President Donald Trump is threatening to veto the bill if it includes plans to remove the names of Confederate leaders from bases. The House measure would take action to change the names of military facilities named after Confederates within a year. The bill would also ban Confederate flags on military property, including vehicles, living quarters and clothing. And nearly two dozen attorneys general are suing the Trump administration over changes to the Affordable Care Act. The group alleges the White House's change, changes have to the ACA have impacted women, those in the LGBT community as well, and also non-English speakers. In June, the Trump administration amended the law to remove protections for people who are transgender, a rule that required health care providers to accommodate patients who speak limited English, and a rule prohibiting discrimination against anyone who had an abortion were eliminated. The lawsuit contends the changes are unconstitutional and authorized discrimination. And Michael Cohen is suing Attorney General Bill Barr in his latest attempt to get out of prison. Lawyers for Cohen said that Cohen was taken back into custody because of a tell-all book he is writing about his years as President Trump's fixer. They say the Justice Department is retaliating and violating the First Amendment. Cohen is serving a three-year sentence after pleading guilty to tax fraud and lying to Congress. As part of the Bureau of Prisons' coronavirus response, Cohen was released in May and placed on furlough. On July 9th, he went to transfer his status to home confinement, but objected to a condition of his release, which would prohibit him from social media and engaging with the media. Cohen was immediately taken back into custody.
And former Vice President Joe Biden on Monday said that four black women are on his shortlist for vice president, but he would not say who they were and did not commit to picking one of them as their running mate. Biden has previously suggested he would choose a woman of color to join him in this year's race against President Trump. Meanwhile, as widespread protests for racial justice continue across America, a large group of demonstrators gathered in downtown Portland Monday evening to support the Black Lives Matter movement. But they also had a message for federal officers. Leave our city. The protesters gathered outside the Justice Center and Federal Courthouse building. Speakers led the crowd in chants and shared personal stories, expressing their gratitude for everyone who came out. Local moms in yellow shirts marched. They've become famous in Sunday night's protests, dubbed the Wall of Moms. All of this after federal agents reportedly from Customs and Border Protection and other DHS, DHS agencies were captured on camera arresting protesters without cause. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, police have found a body in a building that burned during the George Floyd protests. Authorities had received a tip on Monday and searched thoroughly the rubble at the pawn shop that burned down in May. Police say the victim appears to have suffered thermal injuries. The medical examiner's office is examining the body and will release the identity of the deceased along with the cause of death. For the moment, police are treating this as a homicide. Last month, prosecutors charged a local man with starting the fire at the pawn shop. And the Missouri husband and wife seen on camera pointing a gun at protesters outside their home have been charged. That's according to the couple's attorney. This video of Mark and Patricia McCloskey was taken outside of their house in St. Louis last month. They claimed they were afraid and were protecting their property when they pulled out a handgun and a rifle and pointed them at protesters. The demonstrators were walking on a private street to St. Louis Mayor Linda Cruson's home. The couple told police the, uh, the group broke a fence to get to the neighborhood, began yelling obscenities and threatened to harm them. Witnesses, eyewitnesses from the the protests dispute the McCloskey's claim. And now to Southern California, where the submission process for a rental assistance program has come to an end. Jaime Garcia has more on where those looking for help go next. After a five-day registration period, the deadline passed for the emergency renters assistance program in the city of Los Angeles. And according to the preliminary numbers, only one out of every four registered will receive assistance. And now a rental assistance program is answering the calls of tenants who can't make the rent and landlords who are worried about their mortgage. The program will provide between one and $2,000 in rental assistance to only 50,000 selected Los Angeles residents, including undocumented workers who lost jobs or part of their income due to the pandemic. It was hard because I was dialing and dialing since Monday without being able to get through. Dolores Rosa said that making it through the sign-out process was a testament to the perseverance of those who were able to register like her. So Friday I thought it was the last day and I hope God helps me and thank God I was able to get in. A young man helped me with the application process. According to the Los Angeles Housing Department website, the selection process will take place between the 20th and the 20th 4th of July, and those fortunate enough to be selected will be notified before August 3rd. The selection process will be a lottery for the families who applied. The rent relief payments will be issued beginning in August and will be sent directly to landlords. 
Meanwhile, the applicants who were not selected will be kept on a waiting list and could still get some assistance if there are additional funds available. Well, yes, we need help. We need a lot of help. With a total of $103 million, this is considered the biggest program to assist in the payment of rents in the whole United States. In Los Angeles, Jaime Garcia, U News. And also in L.A., as many as 300 factory workers at the clothing manufacturer Los Angeles Apparel have tested positive for coronavirus and four have reportedly died, according to the Los Angeles County Health Department. The factory, which has many Latino workers, has been shut down since the end of June. And joining us now is Daisy Gonzalez. She's an organizer with the Garment Workers Center. Welcome to You News. Daisy, this all started when health department officials were tipped off in June. Then after a site visit, they found multiple violations, among them the use of cardboard as barriers between workers. We have some pictures here so our audience can see what we're talking about. What other violations did investigators find? Hi, so um, at the Garment Workers Center, we work with, um, you know, garment workers all over Los Angeles. The industry is about 45,000 workers. Um, and, you know, workers began to, to tell us about a lack of social distancing, um, you know, the use of cardboard as barriers between workers. And, um, you know, we also heard about, you know, some, some gathering of people during lunch in the lunchrooms. Um, and, you know, a couple of our of our Garment Worker Center members actually became ill after working um, only a few days, some a few weeks um, at LA Apparel. And, um, you know, once an outbreak, you know, started to happen, we, you know, immediately notified uh, the Department of Public Health at the county. And, um, you know, since then, we've we've realized that we've we've come to realize that over 300 workers tested positive and, and four, you know, unfortunately died. And it, it's very, very unfortunate because these workers are, um, you know, producing the, the face coverings that we all need. And these are essential workers. They're also producing hospital robes. Um, and so these workers really need to be protected. And that's where, you know, Garment Worker Center comes in. We are listening to the workers and following the lead of workers based on what they need. And Daisy, Los Excuse Angeles me. Apparel issued a statement on July 11th um, saying they have, quote, taken every measure possible to protect employees from COVID-19 and that they, quote, have enforced social distancing requirements, spacing machines and break areas by six feet or more. Did managers handle the outbreak appropriately? You know, again, uh, from what we hear from workers, um, no, right? So... A couple of things also happened once workers started to become ill. Management did not reach out to them to see why they weren't returning to work, if they were experiencing any symptoms. And, um, you know, like I said, some of the, the you know, common sense things like social distancing, social distancing um, wasn't happening in the factory. We recently found out that, you know, workers were only provided, you know, one mask on the first day and then uh, were actually asked to... Uh, to purchase masks if they needed more. So, yeah, yeah. We Daisy, need to strengthen protections for these workers. 
I was going to say the company CEO, Dove Charney, had pivoted the company from producing T-shirts to producing face masks amid the pandemic, as you had mentioned. He posted this on Instagram a week ago. Is it possible? Let's listen to what he had to say. There have been some people that have worked for us. They weren't always, they may not have been here recently, but they've been on our employee roster that have died from the pandemic. No one is saying that they've died because they contracted in here. Is it possible that workers who died didn't catch the virus at the factory, Daisy? So, I mean, in talking to workers, they, they really feel that there weren't enough protections in place and protocols and um, the amount of people in the factory was, is very, very concerning, right? So this factory was employing over 2,000 people. Um, they had multiple shifts throughout the day. There were um, hundreds of workers in the factory at once. And, you know, um, I, I think that, you know, from what we hear from workers, they, they feel like they got sick at work, right? They spend the majority of their time there. And, and I think, you know, we have to, we have to listen to, to their perspective um, on the fact that there weren't enough protections there. Well, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with your case. Daisy Gonzalez of the Garment Work Center, CEO yeah. Dove Charney says- I'd like says, to, sorry. Yes, what was that? I just really like to share one more thing. Another, you know, concerning point here is that workers have not been paid any sick days. Um, you know, we've, even workers who have contracted um, COVID-19 in the workplace, they haven't been paid any sick days yet. And, you know, that's something that we're continuing to organize around. Um, and, um, Workers also, you know, want to make sure that 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 they are protect, protected as they're, you know, providing such an essential need for society right now. Well, thank you, Daisy, so much for your time. And we'd like to mention that CEO Dove Charney says they are working rigorously to provide a safe environment for their workers and added the prolonged shutdown is only hurting workers. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador said on Monday he would maintain a less confrontational approach to battling drug gangs, even after, of, even after one of Mexico's most powerful cartels showcased its firepower in a video that stuns Mexicans, a video purportedly shot by the Jalisco New Generation cartel showing dozens of armed gang members in bulletproof vests in front of armored cars painted in military-style camouflage went viral on social media on Friday. López Obrador said he would not repeat the mistakes of previous administrations that failed to contain cartel violence. Now that homicides have reached uh, record levels, the president has come under growing scrutiny over his uh, security policy, dubbed by López Obrador as one of hugs, not bullets. 
And further south, Colombia celebrated yesterday its Independence Day, announcing over 200,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus, while deaths have approached 7,000. Pre uh, President Ivan Duque alerted the public to prepare for the most challenging moments of the pandemic, which he noted were still to come. Colombia's government has estimated it will reach its peak in August. Several cities, including the capital, Bogotá, have reached capacity for virus-specific ICU beds. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.